Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So very glad to have you with us. As I mentioned a moment earlier, as I'm looking through today's show rundown, it's if you are a member of the politically correct and perpetually offended, maybe you want to like check in a little bit later on, or maybe you want to stay tuned. But uh, this 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 show is not necessarily for you. All right, the Germantown police chief has apologized for a Facebook post that he entered. I don't think he should have apologized. I will explain. Here, here's the bottom line. I think in this country we have to be able to have a, a discussion uh, about uh, about issues. And that's one of the things that you see that, that that's going on. You, you have the various protests that are out there, and they are highlighting one aspect of, for example, police community relations. And I, I appreciate that. And they raise legitimate and interesting issues, valid issues about police community relations. At the same time, there is this other side that that I I don't think is getting expressed enough. And that other side is, you know, there are are a handful of bad cops that are out there. But the reality is the vast majority, the overwhelming majority, the 98% of the men and women who serve as police officers do a good job. They care about the community. They care about their jobs. And we're damn lucky to have them. That's just the reality that's out there. For everybody that's out there saying defund the police and and when whether that means completely do away with the police or let's take 10 or 20 or 30 percent of their budget away. Just look at what happened over the last weekend in, in major cities. You know, Chicago had, what, 114 shootings over a three-day period. Milwaukee had uh, 11-plus shootings over a, a three-day period. Oh, okay, real, What what's going to happen if you defund the police department? And this idea that, that all the police that are out there are, are racist, I, I reject it, and, and I, I just... For some reason, if you want to argue the, the opposite, if you want to say, you know, you have to have a little bit of perspective here, well, then you're told to, to shut up. No, no, this this isn't the common, this isn't the the, the current thinking that's there. And you're, you're not woke if you're going to defend actions of the police department. And nobody should be defending actions of the police department that are indefensible, like the, the killing that occurred, you know, in Minneapolis going on a month ago, or in my opinion, the shooting of the guy in the back in Atlanta. You know, we've talked about that but this idea that oh all the police are racist you know it's time for there to be a pushback from that and and you're not seeing that so anyhow here's what happens they they have a there is a a a relatively small protest that's uh, out in germantown the the other day and it's interesting of course because there's no such thing as a protest anymore whenever you read about it it's got to be peaceful protest that that's we we have to put that in there's no words you know it's every we have to put in peaceful and that's good you want to see that people have peaceful protests. But there's a number of people that carry signs. 
during the the protest and, and that's all that is all well and good one of the things i have learned over the years is that typically if you go to an event and it's particularly an, an event that is sponsored by conservatives one of the things the media will do is they will seek out the most I don't know, bizarre, out there sign, and that will be the one that, that gets featured. For example, I I remember back in the day when there were all the different, when during the, the Milwaukee County pension scandal, and there was the the movement afoot to recall the then county executive, Tom Amott. And there were, there were a number of um, meetings where people would sign the recall petitions and stuff, and I was there in my former colleague Charlie Sykes were there and you know people would show up with signs and I, I just I remember we were at one it was somewhere in Brown Deer and there was a lady people had all sorts of signs but there was a lady that had this sign that said Tom Amon equals Hitler or something like that it was completely bizarre but that was the one that all the TV cameras and the newspaper photographers photo put on on TV as if to give the idea that that's the way that all the 500 people in, in the room felt that, that's that's what is out there, and, and that's the way it was handled. So anyhow, you have this this rally and this this march out in Germantown, a, a peaceful march, and people are carrying signs, and the signs are things like, um, you know, no justice, no peace, silence is violence, stop pretending your racism is patriotism. Stop pretending your racism is patriotism, and there's there's one person who's carrying a sign that says ACAB, the the acronym ACAB. What that stands for is all cops are bastards. That's what ACAB means. And so somebody's carrying a a sign like that. And the, the chief of police out in Germantown takes offense at that. So he goes on the, the Facebook page and he calls out the person who's har- carrying that sign that, that says AC, you know, AAB. And he says, I can only assume the teachers and other adults marching supported the sentiment or they would have remained not remained silent on the issue. After all, silence is violence. He writes on his Facebook page. He said he's all ears if people want to talk about policies and practices the department isn't doing. But he said when you start from a place that ACAB, it's hard to get those discussions started. He says, yeah, I mean, if if there are people that are carrying these signs and this is what you think, well, I'm sorry, we, we don't have a framework. So he, he expresses that opinion. And then, of course, you, you get... The, the folks that are upset about that. He gets a, a reaction on social media. Some people are saying, oh, this is just absolutely, you know, terrible, you know, that, that he would that he would say something like this, and, and we're offended by this, and how dare you lump all the marchers in? All right, well, there there, there is a point to that, but uh, again, aren't the marchers, in many cases, lumping all police officers in with the stuff that went on in the inexcusable stuff that went on in Minneapolis or the inexcusable stuff that went on in Atlanta. So and anyhow, a- after getting a blowback, he apparently he goes back and he, he posts. He says, look, I, I'm never post angry. I was called out by many of you and you were correct. I missed an opportunity for that. I am sorry and I apologize. Um, one of our followers pointed out that I created a divide and it was my job to make it right. Okay, our, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
I mean, a, a lot of the premises of these protests you know, lump all police officers in and say, okay, the, we, we want to defund the police. We think the cops are bad, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so here you have a police chief that, yeah, he, he gets angry when he sees somebody carrying this sign that is in a personal attack on him and members of his force, and he responds. I, I don't think he has anything to apologize for. And just like it's wrong, admittedly, to lump all the protesters in and say, okay, everybody's sympathetic with this. I, I think it's also wrong to assume that all police officers are, are bad and that you, uh, again, that, that we need to view every police officer as an occupying force or somebody who's going to engage in the misconduct that you saw in Minneapolis, for example. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Lines. Here's a text. Jeff, so you think there are officers out there that aren't racist? Of course I think there's officers out there that aren't racist. I mean, what, that, that's, sorry, that, that's like one of the, the dumb questions. Yes, do, do, if you are asking me, are there, are there racist police officers on various police forces? And the answer would, would be yes. There are racists, I think, in probably every occupation. Do I think that there are officers out there that aren't racist? Of, of course. Do I think being a racist is a job criteria for getting a job as a police officer? Are, are people nuts? Is that what people really think? No, I, I go back to what I said in the beginning. I think the vast majority, 95, 96, 97, 98, you pick the percentage of men and women who serve in law enforcement, do it because they care about the community. They want to make a difference. Are there problems? Is there systematic racism? I, I don't know. Are there racist? Of course there are. And what you need to do is you need to do everything you possibly can to weed those officers out Get rid of them because they shouldn't have badges. They shouldn't have guns. But does that mean the vast majority of officers fit into that category? No, I, I don't know. I don't believe that. And to the extent that that people are trying to convey that impression, I think they do a huge disservice to the, the men and women who choose law enforcement as an occupation. It's one of the reasons why I like Milwaukee Police Chief Morales so much, because he doesn't take guff. Now, now he doesn't do it in kind of the outlandish fashion that former Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark did. But, but he, he, you know, he, he stands up and, and he says, yeah, I'm, you know, when, when you attack my officers verbally, I, we're, we're not going to just take this. We understand there, there are problems. There, we understand there are institutional problems and we want to deal with them. But you know what? I mean, you know, if we're, we're going to be professional, but we're going to not sit here and just accept this as a given that, that the entire police force is racist. Al in Oshkosh. Al, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeffy. Hi, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think I think um, uh, the police deserve a lot of credit. They, they got a very extremely tough job. I've got several friends that are police officers and sheriff's deputies and things. And you know what they tell me? They tell me that every day they go to work, they don't know if they're going to come home. Yep. That, that, that's pretty significant. And uh, people ought to start giving these people some credit. And the people that are that are that want to say something and stand up for themselves, like this chief of police, uh, he shouldn't have to come back and apologize for what he says. Maybe he needs to clarify a little bit what he meant. But to apologize for this all the time, you're just taking, you're just discrediting yourself, and you shouldn't do that. You should be able to stand up and say what you believe. 
Right. And, 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 uh, and, and quit apologizing all the time. It, it goes back to even what Drew Brees said. You know, it's just like you didn't really need to apologize, Drew. You needed to clarify maybe a little bit, but come on, man. Well, well, I mean, I mean, without thanks so without, without going into the Drew Brees stuff, but I mean, the, the police chief here, yeah, he he gets he he sees people, you know, somebody carrying this sign that that says that about police officers, and he says, look, we, we you know, I I acknowledge, I'm willing. If you want to talk about our police practices, we'll, we'll talk about it. If you want to talk about you know the way we do things, I, I'm all ears. We we can have that discussion. But if you start with this framework of you know ACAB, we're, there's there's no common ground there. And and, you know, I don't think he should be faulted for saying something like that. And if some people are offended, well, OK, too, too bad. Maybe what you should be doing is, I don't know, if you don't agree with that, you should be denouncing the person that's carrying that sign or something like that. That That's all. You cannot have it both ways. I, I guess that's that's my point here. And again, when when you launch into this sort of anti-police attack, we're starting to see the, the backlash from this. Again, I, I always I understand that there are issues in, in modern policing. I, I get it. I, so I, I appreciate that. But this idea that all the cops are bad or we can't trust the police. I mean, if you look at the amount of violence that is going on in urban areas in this state and in this country, and, and you look at, at the, the shootings and you look at the killings and you look at the attacks and you look at the crimes. All right. That, that is that there are so many more of them than there are examples of of police misconduct. And I'm not saying you sweep the police misconduct under the rug. Of course, you don't do that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you if you really want to teach people, hey, get rid of the police department or defund the police department or let's have this view worldview of the police. Well, OK, good, good luck. But watch what goes on when, you know, you you don't have police. And what you have is you have you have shootings and you have the the criminal, the out the crime just ends up running rampant. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a world where the criminals get to run amok. Do we have do, do we have places to go? Do we do we need to do more in order to build police community relations? A- absolutely. But you know what? Police chiefs standing up for themselves and for the men and women that serve under them every once in a while, I don't think they should have to apologize for that. And if somebody, you know, gets offended by it, okay, you know, too bad. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I have a serious question for you. Fourth of July is coming up. This is going to be a Fourth of July like no, no other, simply because we're told that mass gatherings are are bad. I guess unless it's going to be for a big protest, we're, but we're told that outdoor mass gatherings are are bad. So we have no sports with um, people in attendance. We have no Fourth of July fireworks celebrations. We have no Fourth of July parades. We, we don't have any of these various events. Okay, well that that's. Welcome to 2020 and and the COVID-19 concerns. One of the things that has been happening both locally and across the country is given the fact that there's, I think it's two things. First of all, given the fact that all the fireworks displays are being canceled. And secondly, given the fact that people have a lot of time on their hands, one of the things that they're seeing is there's been an explosion, no pun intended, in the sale of fireworks. You know, you now. 
let's just talk about Wisconsin. As a general rule, in in most communities around here, fireworks are are illegal. Essentially, if it if it blows up, it flies or it sparkles. It's illegal. Sparklers are illegal in in Milwaukee and in many of the suburbs around Milwaukee County. Now, I've always thought that goes a little bit too far, but that's that's not my point. So people have been buying fireworks like at record amounts, and they, they've been setting them off, not just here in Milwaukee, but but elsewhere as well. Matter of fact, I'm looking at a story, New York City. Um, this time, first 19 days of last June, the city had 27 complaints about fireworks. And New York City has a fireworks ordinance pretty much similar to Milwaukee's. Um, this year, the number, get this, okay, so last year they had 27 calls about illegal fireworks. This month, the number was, uh, last year, same period of time, 37. This year, 6,385. 6,385. So people are going and, and they're using, they're, they're shooting off the fireworks more and more for a variety of reasons. And it's driving a lot of the neighbors nuts. And, um, for example, some of the Milwaukee aldermen are saying, well, you know, this is illegal. And, you know, people that have PTSD, it bothers. And, you know, it, it bothers pets and, and all these type of things. And, and by the way, it's illegal. This, however, is a low enforcement area for various urban police departments. And we'll pick it up right there in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Do you want police aggressively enforcing these fireworks rules? Now, I, I asked that question because a couple things are going on. As we just discussed, for, for a variety of reasons, more people are going out and, and they're running out and they're buying these fireworks. And fireworks in many urban areas, including Milwaukee and a lot of the surrounding communities, are, are illegal. So they're shooting off bottle rockets. You've got the M80s, you know, wh- whatever. So you, you've got that. Sparklers are, are illegal a- as well. So more and more people are doing that. Yeah, um, yesterday, there was a hearing, for example, in Milwaukee in front of the, the Steering and Rules Committee of the Common Council. And many aldermen were questioning police officials about whether officers are enforcing the city's fireworks ordinances. And one of the aldermen says, well, very few citations were fireworks, you know, were, were issued last year and presumably this year. Now, police are telling aldermen, well, you know, we've been busy lately responding to violent crimes, including homicides, non-fatal shootings, and domestic violence. All right, now, look, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of fireworks. I mean, I, I like to go to the firework shows. I'm not the guy that stops off on those places along the interstate and, and buys a bunch of fireworks, okay? That, that's, that, that's just not me. But at the same time, all right, I, I recognize that the, the world we live in now where you have, I mean, think of what it's like to be a police officer. Let, let's try to take a step back here. And, you know, you you show up on the scene of, of, of a shooting. You show up on the scene of a domestic disturbance. You show up on the scene of a bar fight. And, and think of the way police officers are treated on a regular basis. Right. So I, I ask this question seriously. I understand that the law says you're not supposed to have the fireworks. But it's a legitimate question. Do you want the police 
aggressively enforcing these fireworks ordinances? Do you want them rolling up on places when you get the, the call saying, hey, there's there's some people that are shooting off bottle rockets? Now, should they be shooting off bottle rockets? Of course they should. I mean, it's against the law. Should they be... You know, setting off the firecrackers, of course they shouldn't. It, it's against the law. But from an enforcement perspective, do, do we make this a priority? Do we make it a priority in any year? But do we especially make it a priority in, in this year where you've got police community tensions that are, I, I don't know if it's fair to say at an all-time high, but certainly, you know, we... We, we, we have all these objections now to the whole idea of broken windows law enforcement, where the police go out and they try to investigate and stop the little stuff before it becomes big stuff. Well, when the police go out and they try to stop the little stuff, they get accused of, you know, why why are you hassling people? You know, why why do you care about this? Don't you have something more important to do? So, all right, l- let's, let's lay this on the table as we go to July 4th. Do we want to see these, these fireworks ordinances aggressively enforced? And, you know, what, what's the downside? And my answer would be, look, I, I understand that people want to make these calls. I understand it, it's the law, but for aldermen that are out there that expect the police to donate and commit a lot of resources to doing this, um, I, I would say, first of all, you've got a lot more important things to do, and secondly, you better be careful what you wish for because you roll up on some of these calls, and I can only imagine how this some of these situations could quickly deteriorate into bad stuff. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Billy in, Sh- in uh, Sheboygan. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I'm sorry, Burlington. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Billy. Yep. Hey, uh, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, our police officers have bigger fish to fry, so why are they going to burn those resources on some people that just want to shoot off some fireworks, you know? And another point, too, is how are these fireworks legal where you can you can walk into a store off the interstate a couple big brand names out there you can buy as many as you want you fill out a little waiver but then you can't go home and shoot them off right yeah that, how do they get by with that well i mean th- thanks for calling i mean the fireworks laws in wisconsin are are a complete and total mess and, and without going into too many details yeah yeah you kind of nailed it you you can sell these things at some of the roadside stands, and you see those, and I say roadside stands, some of them are, are you know, big stores along the internet, interstate. You can sell them, and again, with, without going too deeply into the weeds, but just because it's legal to sell them to someone doesn't mean that it's legal for people to use them in various communities. And that's why, like I say, in Milwaukee and many of the suburbs, if not most of the suburbs, if it explodes, if it flies, or if it sparkles, it, it's illegal. And, and there's fines, and they're, they're actually kind of nasty fines. But some of these aldermen are complaining that this isn't being enforced. And, again, I'm I'm a law and order guy. I'm a rules are rules guy. Do I think laws should be followed? Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm just thinking, hey, this, this is 2020. And I, I see some of the stuff that's going on. And I see some of the pressures that the police officers have. And I see how people in the community react to some of the things that officers do. And I'm thinking, okay, I can just imagine what's going to happen if you get a report that you, you've got a couple guys that are like in some vacant yard shooting off, off bottle rockets. Should they be doing that? Of, of course not. Of course they shouldn't be shooting off bottle rockets. But can you imagine what happens if there, you get a police response and then I just you got to be really careful here with this type of stuff. And I think 
particularly now, the police have to be very careful with how they allocate their resources. And again, I'm not encouraging people to go out and buy illegal fireworks and shoot them off. I, I'm just saying that you know you, you have to prioritize stuff. And right now, expecting people to come and investigate fireworks complaints if it's not something that's putting people's lives in danger, or you, I mean, if you got somebody shooting bottle rockets onto other people's roofs and you know perhaps causing potential for fires, that that's one thing. But I don't know questioning the police about why you're not responding to more complaints about people shooting off firecrackers? Huh. Well, maybe because did you see the number of shootings and homicides and assaults that they had in the city of Milwaukee just over the last weekend? This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. The vice president is in Waukesha today. Um, And, of course, we're we're giving you the traffic updates about his motorcade and things like that. And he's going to be doing a campaign event at the Ingleside Hotel. One of the prerequisites to attending the event is that you, if you want to go, you are going to have to sign a, a waiver essentially holding the Trump campaign harmless if somebody um, gets coronavirus. I mean, the way it works is um, attendees will have to, quote, voluntarily assume all risks related to exposure to coronavirus and waive release and discharge the Trump campaign and its associates from any and all liability under any theory, whether in negligence or otherwise, for any illness or injury. So you have to sign a, a waiver. All right. I want to take the politics out of this. And and I also I kind of want to take the, the law out of it for a moment, because, you know, if I put on my recovering lawyer hat, I, I, I wonder if these waivers are worth the paper that they are printed on. You know, I mean, Major League Baseball, for example, for years, uh, if you read the back of a, of a ticket. And, you know, it it essentially says that you agree to hold the club harmless for stuff that happens. And so they they always try to use that when somebody gets hit by a foul ball and things like that. And sometimes it works. A lot of times it it, it doesn't. These waivers, in some cases, are difficult to enforce. And I take no position on whether or not this this waiver, if somebody actually did get coronavirus and did try to sue, I I take no position on whether that waiver would, would hold up. All right. But. But that's not, to me, the most interesting question. The more interesting question to me is, in a, in a COVID-19 world, as we are starting to go out, whether it's to political events or movie theaters or restaurants or, you know, fill in the blank, golf courses, you know, you, you name it, if businesses, as a condition of doing business with you, let's say you're looking to buy a car. And, and you want to go car shopping. And one of the deals is to go inside or go onto the lot. They come out and they ask you to sign a waiver saying, hey, if you get coronavirus from walking around the car lot, you agree that you're going to hold the dealer harmless. All right. If business, if a restaurant said to you as a condition, okay, well, you know, here, here's the deal. Um, you come on in. We'll take your reservation. We're, we'd love to have you. We're practicing social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. Your reservation is 630. Um, here is the deal, though. We 
we want you to sign a waiver holding us harmless. That's the legal phrase, saying that you're not going to sue us if you end up getting coronavirus while you're dining with us. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but I would not have a problem signing one of these waivers and saying, okay, if I've decided that I feel comfortable going to this particular restaurant or to this golf course or to this movie theater or to this particular store, all right, I acknowledge that I am willing to take the risk that I might be exposed to, you know, someone who is sick or whatever. So I guess I wouldn't have a problem as a condition of going to a restaurant or going to a political event. I wouldn't have a problem signing a waiver like that because, candidly, it probably wouldn't occur to me to try to sue the Trump campaign or to try to sue the movie theater or to try to sue the golf course or to sue the auto dealer if I ended up getting sick. How about you? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Would you refuse to patronize a, a place or attend an event if one of the conditions was you had to sign a waiver saying, hey, if I if I get COVID-19, I'm, I'm not going to sue you. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. If, if the business, if I wanted to go to the business or I wanted to go to the event and that was a condition, I... I'd, I'd sign it. I, I guess I understand what the risks are in going out in public. I think I have some responsibility for my own behavior. I understand that if you're going to go and be with a large group of people, all right, th- there's a chance that this stuff could happen. I'd have no trouble signing the waiver, and I'd apply that to restaurants as well. And I guess if, if I felt so uncomfortable and so concerned that I might be in a public place and be exposed to somebody who was sick, and then I, in turn, am going to get it, well, then I'm just not going to go to that event in the first place. How about you? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think it's a good idea. We have people sign waivers when sponsoring church trips to Haiti, largely to make sure they understand the risk. Maybe this is a template for large sporting events and concerts. I'd sign one. Personal responsibility here, people. Let's start with Amanda in Waukegan. Amanda, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I have two, quest- or two, com- two comments. First. Um, you know, I would have no problem signing the waiver because I am putting myself out there. No one is forcing me to be there or making me be there. And so if I'm choosing to be out in the public, I should be the one willing to take responsibility for whatever happens to me. Yep. And my second comment is how can they even prove that that's where they got it from? Yep. Unless they swear up and down that they have not been to one more grocery store or gas station or come in contact with one more person, how can they prove that that's even where they got it from. Well, right. The problems of proof in something like this are, are going to be huge. But I, I guess, all right, so if if your favorite restaurant, as a condition of you being able to go in and, and you know, have a meal on Saturday night, is that they want you to sign a waiver saying, hey, if, if you get COVID-19, you're not going to sue us, you would have no problem signing that. I would have no problem signing it. Yeah, me, I, thanks for calling. No, me, me, me neither. I, I mean, now, that's different from saying, all right, um, you know, you go to a restaurant and you get food poisoning or something like that. But but this is, you know, th- this is this is different, I, I think, um, with regard to the, the whole idea of negligence or things like that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm willing to accept the risk of going out in, in public 
understanding that, all right, there's behaviors that you might engage in. Some behaviors are riskier than others. And that's why one of the reasons I say I, I have no intention of being around large groups. I'm, I'm comfortable being in small groups. I'm comfortable in going to places that I, I know, et cetera, et cetera. Am I in a hurry to rush back and, and be around 3,000 of my closest friends? No. So I'm, I'm not going to do it. But when I'm ready to do that, would I be willing to sign a waiver saying I, I'm not holding the venue liable if I get sick? Absolutely. Julie in Waukesha. Hi, Julie. You're on WTMJ. Hi. I, I, I'm agreeing with Amanda 100%. I would sign a waiver in a heartbeat for anything, including the Packers, mm-hmm. um, the Brewer game. We just have to get back to normal. It's it's like this old saying that the kids got to eat a bushel of dirt before they die. Let's get going. we got to build up some immunity to, immunity to it. I've taken three COVID tests in seven days just because I was having procedures, and it, it's just ridiculous. Would you are do you feel, uh, Julie, are you would you be comfortable if if the Brewers had opening day tomorrow and they were planning a traditional opening day, 40 plus thousand people. And I said, Julie, you've just won two tickets to opening day, courtesy of WTMJ. Would you feel comfortable going? Absolutely. I'll bring my pearl hand sanitizer. <laughs> Outstanding. That makes it go cool. well. They're not playing tomorrow and I don't have a pair of tickets to give away. But but you get the, the sense, I, I guess. You know, and of course, one of the reasons I wanted to have this broader conversation is because it, we view everything through a political prism. Oh, you know, look, you know, Trump is having these rallies or Mike Pence is having these rallies and they're back campaigning, but they must know it's safe, not safe because, you know, they're, they're asking people to sign these liability things. I, I mean, again, putting aside whether they're enforceable and to what extent, I, I guess I, I look at this and say, if I want to go to an event, I, I don't have a problem with that. And if, and, and if like if restaurants want to ask me that or golf courses want to ask me to do that or auto dealers or whatever, I, I can I can then decide. Now it might be that if they're asking me to sign a waiver, I might go be going, huh? What's what's going on at this place? Is there something in particular that they are concerned about? Bottom line is, I don't have a problem signing the waiver, and I, I don't look down on the businesses for asking me to do that. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. I, I do this and over the course of the last 12, 13, 14 weeks. We've done this time to, from time to time, and I think it's appropriate to do it again. I want to, no pun intended, take your temperature. My question is this. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being it's not an issue at all, to, and 10 being I am afraid to leave my house, the drapes are drawn because I am afraid of coronavirus. My question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you that you are going to get coronavirus? How worried are you about this? Um, my number would probably be about a 2 or a 3. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and let me tell you why I, I ask this, because we're moving into a, a new phase when it comes to COVID-19. At least it seems to me we're moving into a new phase. For the first several weeks that we were dealing with the virus, with the, had a lot of unknown sort of things that were out there, the, the big concern we had and the big spikes you would see is, all right, there, there's people in nursing homes, got into nursing homes and, and it's spread. 
or you know it got into a, a meatpacking plant and it spread among the employees. That I'm not saying we don't have that anymore, but that's not where a lot of the numbers are coming from. I think because people wised up and we have different procedures that are in place for nursing homes and in some of these factories. As the country opens up, and they were alluding to this during the news, what you're seeing in a lot of states is you are seeing the numbers are, are going up. Part of that's due to more testing, but but it's not all due to more testing. What they're seeing is as people are going back and starting to live their lives, and as they're going to bars and restaurants and swimming pools and things like that, and having more contact with people, well, okay, they're, they're, you're starting to see the disease you know, spread a bit. Now, the a- other aspect of this that bears watching, as a matter of fact, it's a big story about this in the L.A. Times, and, and the numbers are, are going up in California of raw case, California, like Florida, that the numbers of people that are infected by this are, are going up. But it's interesting because a lot of the health officials aren't necessarily concerned about the raw numbers because what they're looking at is they're saying, okay, well, um, the, the number, the average number of daily hospitalizations, it isn't going up. It, it's so, um, yes, people are getting it. But I think what they're saying is that unlike in the beginning, where you had people who were particularly vulnerable who were getting this and they ended up having to be hospitalized and things like that. The people that they're starting to see get this now, maybe it's it's the younger people. And look, I understand nobody wants to get COVID-19, right? No, nobody wants to get COVID-19 and, and nobody wants to spread coronavirus. But the reality is for the vast majority of people, Unless you fit into one of those higher risk categories, you're, you're older and you have some of the underlying health issues like hypertension or you're obese or you have uncontrolled diabetes, the, the, the bottom line is if you get it, you're going to be sick for a little bit, but then you're going to get better. And one of the things that they're starting to see now is that the people who are, are getting it, and I'm generalizing, but the people who are getting it tend to be younger people who are more resilient for whom the, the symptoms aren't that bad or they're, they're, they don't feel good, but, but they get better. So uh, we're wrestling with the idea of, of what do we do, understanding as we reopen, you know, more people are going to get this. But again, looking at a lot of the data, the hospitalizations and the, and the death rates, those, as a general rule, aren't spiking. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, I, I'm a 2 or a 3, which is why I, I don't... I am not comfortable going into large gatherings. At the same time, sitting outside at at a patio with my buddy like I did last night and having a beer, I'm comfortable doing that. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Marcus on the north side. Hi, Marcus. Hey, how are you doing, Jeff? You know, we go back and forth. How are you doing today? I am well, sir. Okay, where are you on that scale of 1 to 10? Uh, it's exactly, it's between a one and a two. I'm a little lesser than you because, first of all, is this, at age 50, okay, I'm 50, okay? I have two children, right? So my question is this, since this pandemic started, okay, but this doesn't start on March 13th. So every precaution has been taken. I'm an essential worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take temperature checks at job. We do that. 
Um, but as far as what happened as Father's Day weekend, we sat outside, you know, uh, you know, the kids had masks for grandma and grandpa. That was fine. But for myself, when I'm outside, um, I'm not wearing a mask outside. It's natural air. Mm-hmm. And what I don't understand, why do you wear a mask inside your car if you're by yourself? I mean, that's the most, to me, it's the most idiotic thing I've seen. You're in your own car, and you got the air conditioner on. I, yeah. I don't get that. So. I, um, <laughs> I, I, no, th- thanks. Well, I, I'm with you too. I, I, I don't. I, I don't want to go down the mask route because that takes us into a whole other discussion. But I, I do agree. I don't know why you're wearing the mask if you're in if you're in your own car. But and, unless it's just more convenient if you're planning to go out somewhere. But I, again, I'm not being judgmental. I'm legitimately curious as to where where we are nowadays because you you are seeing the numbers increase. Um, in in a variety of states, but but actually in many of those states, the hospitalization thing is isn't spiking. But it's I, I think what you are seeing is I think it's it's younger people that are starting to go back and go to bars. I told this story before. I have a you know there's one of the places that I, I patronize. I'm kind of a regular at a series of restaurants, and one the the owner said you know that their their business has still really been hurt because their their clientele is largely older, and you have you can define older however you want to define it. But it's like largely older, and a lot of the older people aren't comfortable yet going and, and dining inside. So that there, there is some of that out there. I, I think younger people are more willing to take the risks. Um, 855-616-1620. Ray in Sheboygan. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being not concerned at all Hi. and 10 being, oh, my gosh, I am somewhere between a one and two, like the last gentleman, except I might be closer to a between zero and one. In fact, my wife and I are getting on a plane on Thursday and going to Vegas oh. for the week. So I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like the last gentleman. I'm, I'm 49 and I, I, it wouldn't surprise me because of my job. I'm a salesman. Uh, and I'm out. It wouldn't surprise me if I had it, and I just never knew, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been out in by the people the whole time. The whole time the corona's been, I have been out. I did not get shut down. I have been out the whole time. So it wouldn't surprise me if I had it, and I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be- and so because of that, I have almost no fear of getting it, mm. and it, it does help that I'm in fairly good uh, condition. I'm right. I, I'm not high risk. Right. So, right. So how long? I, you, I feel how, like I'm. How long are you going to stay in Vegas? Five days. Five okay. Days. We come back Tuesday night. Okay. So do you have, you have no concerns at all about going to Vegas um, at the, the time not of the at pandemic. All. Not Interesting. at all. No, thanks, thanks for call. I appreciate it. you. Know, I, I mean, I'm a huge Vegas fan. I, I and uh, typically. I, I always take a like a four day trip in October, I to, to see shows and stuff like that. My concern about going to Vegas is is less a concern about getting COVID nineteen, and it's more about I just the experience I think is going to be so different. I, I don't I don't know that I want to go there until. 
things get more normal just because I don't think it's going to be as much fun. Okay, um, let's see. Let's go to some of our texts. Uh, da, 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 da. Jeff, uh, there is a definite group of people that like to run to the doctor as soon as they have a small problem. We've gone through that group of people. Now we're working through the people that think they can get over this myself, and they don't need to run to the doctor. Okay, Jeff, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a negative 10. I'm tired of being scared because the media tell us tells us we have to be that way. You need to get out and start living your life again eventually. This will all, he says, go away magically by November 3rd, meaning after the election. Well, I, I mean, I see, I think there's a balancing that, that goes on. And that's what I've been arguing for the longest time. Uh, there are things I'm comfortable doing. There are things I am not comfortable doing. I, I think it's all uh, about a balance. Jeff, I'm 71 years old and probably a two or three in terms of fear of contracting it. My adult son is probably a seven or an eight. An eight. He also thinks that the spike in Arizona, Florida, and California is due to younger people, not just in bars, but also spending more time indoors with air conditioning. Sort of like, you know, we were all indoors in cold weather um, in March, um, maybe. Another text, Jeff, I'm a one or a two. I'm a four. Um, Jeff, uh, I've, uh, let's see. Um, Jeff, I would be a six. Most of the people, um, I, I'm I'm 50. Here's somebody says, I'm 58 and I, I'm an eight. That's the highest that I have in there. Um, but I, I think, you know, let's see. Jeff, um, this is, I, I work in healthcare. Um, I'm at a zero. Um, we need to wake up. It's a flu, not a plague. Are we going to do this every year? Not me. I'm not living in fear. Jeff, mine is a zero. Um, I'm in a socially distant part of Wisconsin. Jeff, I'm 57. I'm healthy. I give it a one. Jeff, I'm 32 and healthy. I give it a two or three. My biggest fear is not getting it, but getting it and inadvertently spreading to my parents. Um, uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm a minus 10. Jeff, I'm a one. You get the idea of where all this stuff is going. And I think, see, th- that's, Im- that's important. And I-, I like to do this because I want to see where your mindset is. Because the-, the truth of the matter is, until you get a therapeutic and until you get a vaccine, it- it's, and maybe even then, it- it's not going to go away. So this is something that you have to figure out how to live with. One of the things I find encouraging, and I'll put that in air quotes, is the fact that, like I say, in most places, you don't necessarily see the spike in hospitalizations, which tells me that the people who are getting it, yeah, they, they get sick, they don't feel good, but they're, they're not they're not put in critical situations. So, you know, they they isolate, they take whatever you take for this, and then they end up getting better. I think that's going to be where we're going to be for the foreseeable future. But people who are in the higher risk categories, I'm counting on them to be smart and to avoid the big gatherings and stay off the line at the meatpacking plant if you don't feel good. And I think for all of us, you know, if you're showing any of these symptoms, stay the heck home. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yes, they used tear gas. And you know what? They should have used tear gas. <laughs> I, all right. Now, let me kind of back up for this. Um, you, you have out in Seattle, you have, figuratively speaking, I would use other terms, but then I would get in trouble on the radio. Let us just say that you have a, a dumpster fire 
that has been going on in Seattle where you have this this protest zone which was created. What do they call it now? Do they call it CHOP? The Capitol Hill Occupied Protest Zone, CHOP. So you, you have all these these people who have moved in. They've taken control of a several block area of the, the city. So effectively, you know, the, the merchants are kind of held hostage by the group. They've now had problems with surprise follows surprise crime breaking out in these groups and you you have you know a, a shooting the other day the police go in to try to investigate it and the police are being screamed at by the occupants the the mayor of Seattle has been completely and totally ineffectual in allowing this this to happen and, and now they're at a point where they've I think finally decided that yeah we we've we've got to take back control we, we just can't allow you know anarchists and protesters and whoever to just occupy six blocks of a major urban city so now they're they're reasserting control and I, my guess is a lot of the protesters aren't going to go quietly and you're going to have a mess but part of the reason that Seattle has a mess is that they let it happen in the first place you you have the mayor who you know essentially directed the police to abandon a police station in th- this area, and the police all all moved out. Now, who who does that? I mean, who who does that? And the police chief is been going on things places like Good Morning America and saying, "Well, we didn't really abandon the community. Well, yeah, you 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 did. You you, you pulled this all you, you pulled this all out, and now it has a mess. But okay, so ever since you've had this thing going on in Seattle, you've had other cities where people have thought, hey, maybe this is a good idea. And what happened last night in in Washington, D.C., there there is a park. It, it's Lafayette it's Lafayette Park and it's Lafayette Square and it, it's right next to the White House. And in Lafayette Square there is a giant statue of former President Andrew Jackson. It's it's this huge statue of Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson has become controversial in in 2020 because he was viewed as being hostile to Native American rights. Okay, so that's that, that's it. So what you had is a crowd that gathered in Lafayette Square with the idea of doing two things. First of all, tearing down the Andrew Jackson statue. I mean, they, they'd already defaced it. The people had spray-painted things like killer on it. They were going to try to topple the statue. And then secondly, some in the group wanted to occupy the park and turn that into an East Coast version of the, the stuff that's going on in Seattle. Well, all right, the um, the, the police out there decided we're, we're not going to let the, this this happen. We're not going to allow the statue to be torn down. We're not going to be allowed the stuff to be vandalized. And you know what? We're not going to allow these protesters, these rioters, these anarchists, a combination of all those. We're not going to allow them to occupy the park. So what happens is U.S. Park police officers in riot gear approached, went into the park, clashed with protesters, the way the Washington Post writes it, swinging batons and releasing pepper spray as they moved the protesters back. And, of course, you know, you have all this hand-wringing in the liberal media. Oh, this was, like, terrible. Um, You know, President Trump, 
who, you know, I, I understand he goes overboard on Twitter sometimes. He sends out this tweet saying numerous people were arrested in D.C. for disgraceful vandalism in Lafayette Park of the magnificent statue of Andrew Jackson, in addition to exterior defacing of St. John's Church across the street. So, yeah, he said I had authorized the people to make uh, arrests. Also, you know, they had decided they were not going to allow the park to be occupied by what they're describing as anarchists. And, yes, they used tear gas and they moved people out. And you know what? They should have used tear gas and they should have used moved people out. We talk a lot about peaceful protest, and that's fine. But when you start talking about trying to occupy parts of urban areas and set up your own version of CHOP or whatever you want to call it, authorities, the grown-ups, have to say nuts to that and not let it happen. And it's much easier to stop people from occupying something in the first place than it is to allow them to get entrenched like they are in Seattle, and then you have to deal with all these problems when there's the shootings and stuff that are in them. So, yeah, they used tear gas in Washington, D.C. last night, and you know what? It was appropriate. Yes, they had police in riot gear move in and move the people out. Yes, that, in fact, was appropriate. You want to protest, protest. If you want to occupy parks and essentially decide that you're going to create your own little environment, sorry, um, sorry, you don't get to do that, period. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Gee, I wonder how this happened. The Journal Sentinel is reporting this. I actually saw it a few days ago. I had called some friends of mine. I have dear friends, my friends John and Mary. They have a, they actually they have a trailer. They go and visit. They go and stay on weekends during the summer up kind of in the Wisconsin Dells in, in Juneau County, and that that's that's their happy place. And right by where they have their trailer, there is a very very famous gentleman's club called. Cruisin' Chubby's Gentleman Club, Gentleman's Club, although it's known affectionately as, as Chubby's. Now, I have, I have never been in Cruisin' Chubby's Gentleman's Club, but I, I, have, I have teased my friends John and Mary because if they're giving you directions to their place, it's always, well, when you hit Cruisin' Chubby's, you take a right. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. And, and I know it, it drives my friend Mary just absolutely bonkers that, you know, this is, that, that this is the, distri- oh yeah, you live up by Chubby's, all that type of stuff. Oh, okay. So I, I tease her about that relentlessly. So I saw this story on Sunday night and I actually had to call. Here's the way. A strip club, that would be Cruisin' Chubby's Gentleman's Club in Juneau County, is the site of a, wait for it, COVID-19 outbreak, according to health officials. In a June 19th advisory, the Juneau County Health Department said patrons who visited Cruisin' Chubby's Gentleman's Club between June 10th and June 14th may have been exposed to the virus and should monitor themselves for symptoms. The club had been open for two weeks. Uh, Before that, they said they were open and back in action. They declined to provide a specific number of cases tied to the club, um, saying that there's an ongoing investigation. An outbreak is defined by Tony Evers' Wisconsin Department of Health Services as two or more laboratory-confirmed cases of the illness within the same facility or tied to the same event within 28 days of each other. So... When, when I saw this story the other day, and I, I had to call my friends John and Mary, it did lead to some speculation as to what 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 might have been going on at Cruising Chubby's that that ended up spreading 
COVID-19. It, this is kind of an interesting one because, again, uh, let's see, the club, apparently the staff had been wearing masks during the time of the exposure. Um, okay, well, you, you got that going on. You know, I, again, everybody's got to find their own sort of comfort level as, as to what type of places they're comfortable in going in. And, and my, my lovely and beautiful wife might be comfortable to know that I'm, I'm just... Not only do I have no interest in, in going to Cruising Chubby's Gentleman's Club, just this this is not the point in time where I might feel comfortable going to the golf course or going into a restaurant or going into a store, but I, I think think I'm going to stay away from Cruising Chubby's Gentleman's Club or any place like that for a while. All right. After the COVID-19 pandemic first hit, and you saw businesses shut down, some permanently, some temporarily. You saw millions of Americans lose their livelihoods through no fault of, of their own. It's just all of a sudden, one day you're going to work, and the next day, boom, uh, you're, you're not going to work. You're not getting a paycheck, and you you know don't know when you're next going to get a paycheck. And so what happened is the, the government moved in to try to help people. You had a couple things that went on. First of all, you had a federal supplement to unemployment insurance, which runs through the end of July. If you qualify for unemployment insurance, you can get up to 600 bucks a week as a, as a federal benefit on top of the state benefit. And as we have discussed on multiple occasions in the past, this results in the, the weird sort of situation where many, many people make more money by not working than they do by working. Some people want to extend the unemployment benefits for another six months. I think that's a non-starter. I, I just I don't think that that's going to happen. Already, you've got a lot of employers who are saying, hey, the economy's starting to come back. Jobs are starting to come back. And we really don't want to give people an incentive to not go back to work. So I, I that 600 bucks a week is going to expire at the end of July. And my guess is if you watch the employment numbers, you're going to see a huge spike. Lots more people that are going to mysteriously be able to find jobs or go back to work once the 600 bucks a week stops. All right. So that that's the one thing. That's the one incentive. The other thing was that uh, many, many people, not everybody, but many, many people got $1,200 stimulus checks. You know, the, the government took a look at, at what your reported tax, you know, your taxable income was last year or two years ago if you hadn't filed your 2019 taxes yet. And then if you made less than a certain amount, what happened is you either got a check for 1200 bucks or you found $1,200 deposited into your checking account. And, you know, married, you know, then, then you got two checks for that. And it, it was nice. I know a lot of people who were shocked that they got the money and actually felt a little bit guilty about taking the money because they didn't really feel that they needed it. But they, they took it nonetheless. I mean, the thinking was if, if, the, if the government, if the G is going to give you this money, you know, who are you to say no? And that $1,200 a piece undoubtedly helped people get over some of the hard times. Well, all right, there is an election coming up in November. One of the things that happened was people took that $1,200 and, and they spent it. And it, it helped, I think, bring the economy back perhaps faster than it otherwise would have come back. But so that, that's good. You got the $1,200 a piece. President Trump is now saying that he is 
supportive of sending Americans another round of stimulus checks, another 1200 bucks or thereabouts. And the, the thinking apparently is that these payments will boost the economy and, and help his chances at re-election. That's what the, the Washington Post says. And then it goes on to say about how lots of congressional Republicans are extremely skeptical about continuing to crank up the printing press and, and sending another $1,200 out. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand why we sent the first 1200 bucks out. I understand why we had the unemployment bonus enhancement of $600 a week. I think it would be crazy, crazy to send another $1,200 to, you know, everybody that got it in the first place. I don't think it's necessary. Is it nice? Would you like to get money from the government? Absolutely. Is it necessary? My answer is no. And if the only reason you're going to send this money out is to make people feel good so they might be more inclined to vote for somebody who supported this, I I would say shame on that politician. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we send out another round of stimulus checks, uh, another 1200 bucks? And I'm sure, you know, if you got one of those, it was nice. I'm sure you spent it on some nice things, but... It's not free money. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Just like Nancy Reagan back in the early 80s, if you're asking me about more stimulus money, it's three words. Just say no. Where do you stand? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The estimate is if we were to send out a second round of stimulus checks to individuals, that would cost the taxpayers somewhere north of 400 B as in billion dollars. I mean, what what the heck? It's what's a billion here, a billion there, 100 billion here, 100 billion there. What what the heck? I, I go, look, I, I understand why we did it in the first place. I, I think that you look at that $1,200, and I think a lot of people who really didn't need it ended up getting it. Um, so I, I believe it should have been surgical, more surgical as to who ended up getting the money. But all right, that, that, that horse has left the barn on that one. To send out another round of stimulus checks at this point in time, I think would be nuts. Ellen in Glendale. Ellen, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Um, I agree with you. I do not think that any more stimulus checks should just be randomly sent out. If any checks are going to be sent out, I think the unemployment uh, stimulus should continue, but not just checks to everybody. I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's right. I am so concerned about the amount of debt that we are leaving for the next generation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's right. No, no. Th- thanks for call. And and you know, and for for this generation, you know, inflation has not been a word that, that we have had to to grapple with. I mean, if I I can I I remember like during the Jimmy Carter and the Gerald Ford years that you know you had the whole whip inflation now thing. Inflation's which is of course inflation is where the the cost of goods rises. 
and it rises faster than incomes and things like that. We really haven't dealt with inflation for years and years. But if you're just printing government money to send out to people, that's one of the things that causes it. Uh, Jeff, uh, Mark says, and this is an interesting thing, I would support another $1,200 stimulus, but only for the people who were essential workers or did not qualify for the $600 a week unemployment benefit, people that have gotten uh, plenty where the people in the trenches have gotten virtually nothing and had to put themselves and their businesses at risk. You know, that's always a very interesting point. It's when, when you consider a lot of the people, particularly a lot of the people who aren't making a ton of money, who've had to work through the the last 12, 13, 14 weeks who you know, maybe you're making 12 bucks an hour or maybe you're making $15 an hour. It's not like you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're driving the trucks to deliver the, the food to the grocery stores or you're working at the retail counters or you're stocking the shelves or, or fill in the blank. You're, you're doing all that. And in many cases, you're making less money than people who were furloughed or laid off by the time they add the unemployment benefits in. So it's I, I do understand that sentiment, and that's one of the reasons why I don't think we're at a point in time in our economy right now with businesses starting to reopen where you need to send even more money to, to people. I understand why we did it in the first place, but uh, no. Um, let's see, the text, Jeff, they should make sure everyone that got the first check, like myself, um, but is working yet who got the virus, got better and went back to work and never received unemployment. So that's that's the same sort of thing that's out there. Jeff, Trump has no shame. He's doing what he has done for his business. Bankruptcy now for the USA. This is this is an example of of, again, I think a pretty shameless political ploy. We want the economy to look good. So let's give everybody another 1200 bucks, and we'll hope that they spend it. And I've got several texts from people who are saying, well, part of the flaw in this is that I got $1,200 and I didn't spend it. I just I put it in the bank where it's sitting there. Um, yes. Steve says, rather than sending out uh, stimulus checks, maybe they enter, entertain the idea of skipping paying income taxes for for a year. Um, yes. Jeff, I've heard people suggest giving people a $1,200 tax break. Could that be a solution rather than send money out? Yeah. I mean, it's that's I, I guess that's a possibility. The problem with that is if if the political reason for doing this is you want to get you, you want to get a big pop. You want to get money in people's hands right away so they spend it. Well, that the tax break, that's going to be something that you're going to see over time. It's not going to have that big pop. Look, I, I, I bit my tongue and, and supported what we did back in March because I thought we were having, we were going through extraordinary times. We, we didn't know what was going to be coming next. We didn't know, you know, what coronavirus was going to do. Was this going to be like the, like the, the bubonic plague? You know, how is this all going to play out? Well, well, now we, we have a handle on this. And I'm not saying that, you know, the COVID-19 concerns have, have disappeared, but the country is starting to reopen. I think we have a much better idea as to how to deal with this entire issue. The economy is starting to get 
back on its feet again, even though it has a long way to go. Employers are starting to hire people again. And do I understand that some people are hurting? Yeah, I, I of course, I, you, you got to understand that. I get it. Some people suddenly lost their jobs, but we cannot create a, a welfare state where people are constantly dependent on, on the government to, you know, get them from day to day. I mean, you got to give people an incentive to go back to work. And if the motivation to giving 12 people $1,200 is, hey, go out and and spend it so you know people feel a little bit better about the economy so maybe they're going to vote for an incumbent i'm sorry i I can't intellectually support something like that and again i like i say i know a lot of people who got the twelve hundred dollars and they and many of the people i know again they they were saying gosh i you know we we were surprised we got it we don't think we really deserved it we didn't need it etc etc but we got it anyways and i said well i mean that's that's it don't feel guilty you don't certainly don't have to give it back if you feel really bad you know donate it to charity or something like that matter of fact i know a couple of people who who did that but the idea of just taking 1200 dollars and sending it out i'm i'm sorry i we did that once and i i think that was fine no more. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. All right, crew, producing the show today and always. You, like I, am a baseball fan. So after much back and forth, spinning wheels and things of the like, an inability to reach an agreement, it's now at a point where Major League Baseball, the commissioner, is going to impose a 60-game season. So that that's the way it stands right now. They're scheduled to play 60 games. They will be starting somewhere around July 24th. Spring training is going to start somewhere around July 1st. 60 games, same playoff structure as before. Um, the, the payment... Players are going to get a full prorated salary for 60 games, mean they're going to earn about 37% of their full season salary um, during the course of the season. So that that's the plan. Still got to work out health protocols. All right, so here's my question to you. What that, That's that right now. Now the union can go on strike. They can file grievances. They still have to agree to whatever health and safety protocols they have set. All right. What is your estimate, zero to 100% that we are going to have baseball this year? I think we're pretty good. I think we're around like 85%. It seems like the players, uh, if it came to the commissioner making the season happen, that the players are more okay with that happening than picking something that the owners propose to them. Um, well, okay, you, so you say 85%. Yeah, I think, I think the players have been ready to do it. Um, I think Manfred has just been kind of waiting to see if he has to do it. Okay. I, I am 50-50. Now, you might say, Jeff, why are you 50-50 on, on this? And I will I will explain why. Um, I think my big question is, what happens when, as inevitably is going to happen, that you have you have players that get that come down with coronavirus? Because you, you know, I, I mean, look, I hope that's not the case, but you've already seen that it's some of the, the Phillies, for example, um, they, they just they had to shut down their facility because of this. Um, the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, the Diamondbacks in Arizona, where you have some of these spiking numbers like in Texas, um, Toronto Blue Jays, the Canadian prime minister announced the border shutdown between the U.S. and Canada would be extended to July 21st. 
first, and there's no guarantee that it's not going to be extended beyond that. So, I mean, I guess I just there's so many variables that are out there. Plus, you have this incredible distrust between owners and and the players. I just to me, the, the commissioner can say, okay, we've got this deal. You got to come back. You got to play. But again, I continue to wonder what is going to happen. When, as inevitably will be the case, you have a team that you have half a dozen players test positive. How how is that going to be handled, and and what does that mean? And what happens if what happens if you have multiple teams where you have a number of the players that end up testing positive? I just I raise these questions because you know I I understand and look I, I I'll take a sixty game season as well I, I think that'll be fun I can't wait to hear Bob Euchre calling baseball games and Kristen Yelich hitting baseballs out of the park even if I can't be there to watch it I'm just still a little bit skeptical because it, it's all well and good to put this on paper but what happens when people get sick like they will just ask them This is Jeff Wagner. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. Well, Brett Favre, sometimes you just realize that maybe you should stay away from open microphones and just pondering things out loud without thinking about the consequences of them sometimes can lead you into trouble. Now, perhaps you have heard this story. On, on Sunday, Brett Favre was doing an interview with TMZ Sports, and th- they asked him the question about whether or not Colin Kaepernick, and everybody knows Colin Kaepernick, whether or not Colin Kaepernick should, um, does he deserve to be in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame given his off-field contributions? All right, so that that's a I guess that's a pretty straightforward conversation question. You can say yes or or no and let the chips fall where they may. That's not what Brett Favre decided to do. Brett Favre kind of starts thinking out loud and and what he says is um he says that um he he thinks that well, it's not easy for a guy his age, black or white, Hispanic, whatever, to stop something you've always dreamed of doing and put it on hold maybe forever for something you believe in, Favre said with regard to Kaepernick. I can only think of right off the top of my head, Pat Tillman is another guy who did something similar, and we regard him as a hero. So I'd assume that hero status will be stamped with Kaepernick as well. All right, now, for those of you who might not be familiar with the the Pat Tillman story, Pat Tillman was a a football player who played for the Arizona Cardinals. After he'd he'd been in his career for four years, and after the terrorist attacks, September 11, 2001, Pat Tillman, motivated by a deep sense of patriotism, walked away from the NFL. He gave up his career in the NFL after four years. He enlisted in the Army. He became became an Army Ranger. And uh, Pat Tillman was killed in action in 2004 in Afghanistan. And as it turned out, um, 
As it turned out, originally the, the story was he was killed by enemy, enemy combatants. As it turns out, it, it was it turned out to be friendly fire. But but the, the Pat Tillman story is you have somebody who walks away after four years, enlists in the army, becomes a ranger, and motivated out of a deep sense of patriotism and loyalty to the country, he, he wants to do his part, and, and he goes to Afghanistan where he dies. All right, Pat. Tillman is a hero by any stretch of the imagination. Brett Favre decides to equate, you know, Pat Tillman with Colin Kaepernick. And, and his exact quotation was, I can only think of, right off the top of my head, Pat Tillman, another guy who did something similar. Hmm. So Colin Kaepernick taking a knee to protest police brutality. Brett Favre, at least in his statement, decides to equate that to Pat Tillman. And then he goes on to say, and we regard Pat Tillman as a hero, so I'd assume that hero status will be stamped with Kaepernick as well. Now, after that goes out, Favre kind of tries to walk that statement back a little bit, and he, he says, well, you know, um, I, I really, I didn't mean to, you know, I didn't intend to compare Kaepernick and Tillman, but simply recognize that they both sideline their football dreams in pursuit of a cause. Huh. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there any comparison that one can reasonably draw between the sacrifice and the decision that Pat Tillman made walking away from his career and enlisting in the military and then dying in service to this country. Is there any comparison that you can make between, realistically, between Pat Tillman and what he did and Colin Kaepernick, who decided to make a, a political statement, who, you know, knelt, understandably, ended up getting cut. He's had opportunities to come back to the league. He's had tryouts and things like that. But, you know, whether he thinks he's being discriminated against by by the league or whether he's kind of sabotaged them, that's up for grabs. He's made a lot of money. I mean, keep in mind that, that Colin Kaepernick, even though he hasn't been playing football, remember, he you know, he cut a deal with Nike. And um, it, it's not as if. You know, he, he's hurting necessarily for for money. I mean, again, he's, you know, in a situation where he's 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 cut this deal with Nike. So, you know, he's I am not suggesting that that was his motive in trying to do any of this. I believe his motive in kneeling was to seriously call attention to what he believed was a major problem in sports and in this country. And that that's fine. But is there any way to equate what Colin Kaepernick has done with what Pat Tillman did? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer would be unequivocally no. And I understand why Brett Favre is trying to walk this back, and, and, and that's fine. But, you know, you're you're the one who used the, the terms. Pat Tillman and Colin Kaepernick, in my opinion, have no comparison to each other. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's our first text. Jeff, first of all, Kaepernick did not give up his football career. He wasn't good enough for another team to sign. There's a difference. Now, I think Colin Kaepernick and his supporters believe that he was essentially just 
the, the the NFL conspired because he was because of his political stance not to give him a job. A- at the same time, others think that well, he his skills were fading and he wasn't good enough to play. I don't know know what the answer to that is. I, I do know though that trying to at least in my opinion, you, you know, mention Colin Kaepernick and Pat Tillman in the same breath is just it's it's nuts. Robert in Manitowoc. Robert, you're in WTMJ. You're absolutely correct. Pat Tillman is is an All-American uh, in every sense of the word. And you have Colin Kaepernick, who was on the clock and decided to stage a personal protest during the national anthem. His employer didn't like that. It's a bad business choice, and it would be bad for business to, to maintain his employment. It, it, and that happens throughout throughout the course of any any employer that mm-hmm. is put in a situation like that is going to step away from something like that. Yeah, you know that was a, a personal thing that Colin Kaepernick did. He didn't he didn't walk away from a career. Yeah, well, you know? I, I mean, right? I mean, I guess I see. And I, look, I, you, you ask the you, you ask Favre. A, a, this is not the first time Favre has gotten in trouble with these things. You, you mean you ask him a straightforward question? Do you think Kaepernick belongs in the Football Hall of Fame? And you can answer that yes, no, or I'm not sure. But to 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 do the equation, I I understand. I mean, like as I say, as, as Brett Favre tries to walk this back because uh, of the reaction, he says, "Well, you know, I I wasn't trying to compare the two of them, but to recognize that they both sideline their fall dreams in pursuit of a cause." Now, of course, the problem is, as you were just alluding to, uh, did, did Colin Kaepernick sideline his football dreams in pursuit of a cause, or? What was was he on the way out anyways? He had opted out of his contract and apparently did turn down other offers because he wasn't being offered enough money. Uh, you know, w- was that just what the set of the circumstances were? But to try to equate the two, and I mean, words matter. I'm looking at what Favre said uh, when they ask him. You know, you know what what happens? Is he going to be a hero? He says, "I can only think of the top of my head." Pat Tillman, another guy who did something similar, and we regard him as a hero. So I'd assume that hero status will be stamped with Kaepernick as well. Okay, maybe for some people, Colin Kaepernick is going to end up being being a hero. But to try to equate the two situations and and to bring Pat Tillman into it makes you wonder. You know what what was Brett? thinking of. Jeff, the Hall of Fame is about what you've done on the field professionally, not about your protest. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Um, and I think, you know, that's a comparison, too. You might want to be able to make an argument that, hey, Colin Kaepernick, you know, he you know, he led the 49ers to, you know, uh, achieved a lot. You know, he was very successful in his career and maybe, you know, his career shortened, as it were, was still enough to justify inclusion in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that's something that, you know, people can discuss as you know, well, but, uh, you know, give me a break. Jeff, no comparison at all. Pat Tillman is a true hero. He made the ultimate sacrifice, um, uh, not Colin Kaepernick. Um, Jeff, Pat Tillman is a true American hero. He left millions of dollars to serve our country and gave the ultimate sacrifice. Colin Kaepernick knelt during the national anthem said i believe that this, the texture says that disrespected tillman and everyone else serving our country jeff absolutely no comparison anyone who thinks so is wrong pat tillman is an american hero yeah it's just 
This was not one of Brett Favre's finest moments, and I understand why he wants to try to walk it back. But at the same time, regardless of how you feel about Colin Kaepernick, that, that that's fine. Some people view him as a hero and a man way ahead of his time and, and ultimately very much on the right side of history. And, and maybe... Maybe that's how his legacy will turn out to be. And if it's, if, if that's the legacy, you know, fine. That, that, that's, that's okay. But whatever sacrifices that Colin Kaepernick made in taking a knee and again, the Nike contracts and all that type of stuff, that and becoming the, the face of, of a movement that, that's great. Give him credit for that. But to try to even mention his choices in the same breath as somebody who walked away from the NFL, became an Army Ranger, and, and lost his life in the line of duty, to try to even mention those two sacrifices, quote-unquote, in the same sentence, well, I, I think poor choice of words at best. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, we, we start off the program talking about uh, the, the politically correct and the perpetually offended. And one of the things that's so frustrating nowadays is that we have these pendulums that, that swing all the time. And I understand right now it's we, we have swung to the side of we, we have to be offended by everything and we have the cancel culture and we, we can't. You know, show the live PD or cops because people are going to be offended and we have to, you know, get rid of brands that have been out there forever because they have ties to, you know, stuff a hundred years ago. And, and, and that's where we are as a society. And, and it's happened very, very quickly over the last several weeks. And it's almost like in, in some cases, you have people that are just in this, this absolute rush to decide, you know, how can we prove that, that we are the most socially aware and, and what can we do to, to end up demonstrating this? And, and you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. You see that the statues that are being torn down. Now, I understand why. You don't want to have – I understand why you don't want the Confederate flag flying over the state house in South Carolina. I understand to an extent the fact that you have people who are upset with, especially in public places, the statues devoted to Robert E. Lee or to Stonewall Jackson or to Jefferson Davis who, you know, led the, the insurrection that led to World War – to the Civil War. So I understand that. But, you know, it's a harder time when you look at, at some of the stuff now that we, we've got to tear down the statue of George Washington because even though he's the founder of our country, he he owned slaves. Or, you know, Thomas Jefferson. No, we, we've got to tear down the Thomas Jefferson statues and we've got to get rid of the, the Washington Monument because of those things. And in one of the, the genuinely, truly silly stories that are out there, you had these protesters that, that wanted to destroy the Ulysses S. Grant Memorial that, that's um, up in Portland, I believe is where it was. And, and their justification is, well, even though Grant was the, the general that won the Civil War for the North, therefore, you know, essentially paving the way for the, the true abolition of slavery. Now, I understand Abraham Lincoln did it with the, the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation, but, you know, it, it was Grant who, who won the war. So, you know, that that 
proclamation was able to become enforced. But no, we, we've got to tear down that statue because people are going to be offended because for a one-year period, um, Ulysses S. Grant was a, had been gifted a, a slave by his wife's parents who were slave owners. I mean, it's just, it's this idea to try to rewrite history and to try to go into the, this cancel culture. And we've got to like step over ourselves to try to prove that we're, we're more socially aware and we're more politically correct. And then you, you see it, you see it in big things. And I guess what bothers me, of course, is, you know, like like trying to go after Grant or we, we, we can't have Woodrow Wilson's name on on buildings because, well, Woodrow Wilson was hostile to Native Americans or, or whatever that would be. It, it's not just that cancel culture on the big things, but it's also because, again, the, the big things are you, you take all those away and we start to become historically illiterate. And this idea that we're going to judge people's lifetimes on the basis of what by 2020 standards we find to be appropriate or not. So those those are the big things. But then you've, you've got the little things. And I acknowledge that this is a little thing, but it's one of those that just kind of makes you shake your head. There There is the video game Fortnite. And it, it's, it's, of course, a huge, it is a huge game among people that, that play the game, mostly younger people, although I know there's some older people who play it as well. And the whole idea of Fortnite is it's this, it's this kind of shoot 'em up and it's a survival game where, you know, you and teammates and you're out there and you're shooting each other up and you get points and things like that. All right. In the new edition of Fortnite, which just came out, they have removed police cars from the game. They've removed police cars from the game because having police cars just and again, it, it's 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 set in, in these urban settings. So you've got all these different just vehicles that you'd find in urban settings. The creators apparently found it necessary to remove police cars because, well, we're just being sensitive about many of the issues that people in our audience are dealing with. So in other words, the idea that you could be playing the shoot 'em up survival game and on the video screen, you see a cartoon version of a police car that might be so traumatic to someone that you would become upset or whatever. Really? I mean, at, at what point in time does this craziness stop? And on an almost daily basis, you think you've heard it all, and then there's something even sillier that comes out. No police cars in Fortnite because, well, they're being sensitive to issues that people are dealing with. Right. This is Jeff Wagner.